Welcome, everyone. We are Talking XP, and we are here to discuss some games, movies, and D&D. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm the host, Johnny, and we have Ryan with us. How you doing? Pretty dang good. Right on. Zach, how you doing? Oh, hi there. Welcome. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Good. Right yeah. on. Glad to hear it. Thanks. Glad to hear it. Uh, so moving to our schedule, uh, we actually have pretty substantially increased how much content we're releasing. Um, we're streaming much more often now. So go ahead and check out our Twitch channel. You can see us streaming every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Savings Time and every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Savings Time. But specifically to our podcast, we release these every third Tuesday of each month. And yeah, we also release our one shot of the month on the last Wednesdays so far. Now, we're actually going to be announcing that we're going going to be doing it on the last Mondays next month, starting next month. This month, we're still going to be playing on the last Wednesday, which, checking my calendar real quick, that is going to be May 26th, we're going to be playing One Page Mage, who has given us one of his awesome one page one shots, so it'll be really nice. Go ahead and check us out again on our Twitch channel, so something to look forward to going forward, and a little bit of our announcements. We have a Discord server. Please come and join our growing community that we have going on there, and we have a Patreon, so I would like to take some time to thank all four of our patrons, Steven, Kristen, Jack, and Heather, thank you so much for your continued support. And we also have a Ko-Fi coffee, whatever you, this is just like a thing now. We really got to nail down. Yeah, come support our show if you enjoy listening to us and uh, babbling about random things. All right. <laughs> uh, shout outs. I'd like to take some time to shout out a fate-based RPG called Paranormal Affairs Canada. Uh, they contacted us actually recently about their cool little RPG that they're making. Um, read through a little bit of it. Pretty sweet. It's one of the only RPG settings that's actually about Canada. I'm not Canadian myself, nor is anybody here, but... In my heart. Pretty interesting to have, like, a different setting rather than America with everything. Uh, lots of snow and, and, and mooses up in there. It, yep. But in this, players can actually play as agents of the Paranormal Affairs Canada, which is a federal agency there that they are charged with protecting Canadians from supernatural creatures and alien activity while keeping its existence a secret. Yes, um, Daniel. Does that mean we can play as Pac-Man? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Absolutely. Paranormal Affairs Canada. Oh my god. Yes. Oh. Yes, you can. Anyway, thank you. Yep. I want my royalty The door check. is behind you. The door uh, is behind you. You can see yourself actually, out. Actually, it's in front of me, but whatever. Well, you know where the door is. Get out. How does it feel to have a joke completely fall flat on a podcast? It's not great, is it? Kind of like your wish joke last mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Hurts. Anyways, anyways, 
this RPG highlights the indigenous folk of Canada as well and their stories, as well as the writer um, was able to hire indigenous folks to come on and read over the oh, content yeah. that they were making, give some feedback to ensure that the content was actually correct and true to the culture. So that's pretty cool. You nice. don't see that. Love that. Very often. And that's super cool. Just wanted to shout them all out. Uh, we'll have a link in the description so you all can check it out. Um, before and we this, move on from that, I just want to go yes. back to Daniel's comment, though. I like how he heard Paranormal Affairs Canada, and the first thing he thinks is, how can I make an acronym Pac-Man? And just, like, he just ran with that's, it. That's where that's, his brain that was goes. His, that was his first thought. Comedy genius. We respect it. Yeah, Daniel's actually yes, not here. He actually fair. left. You, yes. No, he left. He's not here. <laughs> yeah, he left. We kicked him all the way out. Hey, can you edit his track out of the... Just get him out of here. <laughs> sure. In my defense, I was... <laughs> I wasn't trying to make a joke. It was right there. No, it was, it was a good joke. I'm, I'm pretty... It was, it was right there, it. but yet nobody could see it. Kind of like Paranormal Act Affairs Canada, the federal agency that tries to keep itself a secret. That was a hell of a segue, <laughs> dude. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. We'll have a link in the description. Y'all can check it out. It's it's definitely worth it. It's on a drive through RPG, and it's jam-packed full of cool stuff. But for a second shout-out and something a little closer to home, uh, I'd like to announce that RPGs Anonymous, a TTRPG live stream and podcast group, will be playing our encounter that we released uh, at the beginning of April. Uh, the Harpies Bridge. They'll be playing it live on May 31st. So go ahead. We'll have the um, description or in the description, we'll have links to their Twitch, their Twitter and all that stuff. But the encounter is also available on our Patreon. So go ahead and come over there and support us, get a cool encounter. And yeah, so with that all aside, let's talk about some games, movie and news stuff. First off, some of media. course... Very uh, related to D&D, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is going to be releasing today on our Hooray. release date of our podcast, cool. May 18th. Happy book day, everybody. So hope <laughs> hopefully y'all can go out and pick it up. It has Domains of Dread, which all of the uh, the spoiler, not spoiler content, but you know, the teaser content, that's a better word. Uh, talking about body horror and gothic horror, eldritch terror horror type of just how you can set up your entire horror campaign sounds awesome. I'm into that. They have yeah. 30 new and familiar domains of dread. They have two new subclasses, which including undead pact for warlocks. So that might be up your alley or college of spirits. If you're into the bards. They also have three new lineages, is what they're calling it, instead of races. A Dampire, Hexblood, and then Reborn. And then they have these things called Dark Gifts, which I'm not going to spoil too much into that, because that's very much a thing with the Domains of Dread and Ravenloft in general. So if you're playing Curse of Strahd, we'll just keep it to a I, minimum. I imagine but they're kind of like boons of some kind. Kind of like boons from evil beings, basically. Um, and then they also have uh, a few cool little one-shot type adventure, I believe it was is what it was. But anyways, it sounds really awesome. 
I'm excited to have it. Go I'm definitely going to be getting it. So go pick it up. Um, but with that aside, I want to talk about Invincible. Invincible is a yeah, tell me about this. animated series about superheroes. And the best example I have to compare it to something else is The Boys, except animated. But The Boys is a lot darker, I would say. I would say that the thing about Invincible is that it's more... It's dark in a way, but it's not like... See, doesn't get into that deep. I I, I, I haven't watched The Boys, but I, I have read some of, of the graphic novels before it, which is interesting because both um, Invincible and The Boys are both graphic novel series. And um, I, as of the recording date of this episode, had just started and finished watching all of the Invincible first season that just was out. And I, I definitely enjoyed it. The first couple episodes are very tough um just to to watch it was really well done but it takes itself seriously about and, and like I, I think that's the difference between like there's deadpool where there's like gore and stuff like that and 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 where it's really hardcore but it's a comedy at the heart of it and this is not i mean there there are comedic elements for sure in it but it is a show that knows what it is it is a superhero show and that's the cool thing i think what johnny's trying to say about this versus the boys i mean like i said i can't compare it to it because i haven't actually watched the the tv series version of it but it, invincible at the core knowing that superheroes are kind of based on hope and trying to do the right thing that is never lost in the show that that is i feel like a core thing in this show is doing the right thing the only problem is you know there are things out there that um are not great in the show and it's it, it was definitely like i said very hard to watch the first couple episodes just maybe because of the juxtaposition of seeing these superheroes full-on you know I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you know there's a lot of murder that happens in this show right uh, yeah not, it's gory not, as hell it's, one of those it's really gory shows. uh and it, it like even to the end of the, the series, it's still hard to watch because it, it's it doesn't pull any punches. Um, and I know that the boys is also pretty hardcore as well. But like I said, it doesn't lose the in a hope different of, way though. In, in a completely different way. Yeah. Man, I've heard some shit about the boys. I, I think it's the difference between darkness and grittiness. I think the boys is dark and gritty in that it's grounded somewhat in realism. It's like what if superheroes and supervillains kind of existed in the world we exist in whereas invincible and i've only watched pretty much just some clips but from the most of the season exists in a world that is far removed from ours it's another world with superheroes more akin to like a marvel or dc right. universe 100 percent, yes yeah and the one thing with the boys i I still haven't seen the second season. It's been on my to-do list. I've heard that it's pretty good. I, I've seen the first season. It's, ooh, man, it just, I I would say that The Boys really hits you in the gut, whereas Invincible, it just hits you in the heart more than anything else. I think, I don't know how to describe it other I than mean, that. Uh, both both Invincible and The Walking Dead were both written by Robert Kirkman. Um, and what I was going to say uh, is, while watching it, I mean, I definitely felt really sick to my stomach in a lot of like moments. Just That's because true. It, it just 
it, like I said, it, it's tough material to watch, even though it's really well done. It's a great cast. You got Steven Yeun. I think that's God, the cast name. is amazing. J.K. Simmons as, you know. Oh, nice. Omni-Man. Like, Omni-Man, yeah. Uh, man, it's just a full cast. You got Jillian Jacobs from Community. and Mark Hamill. Is Mark Hamill yeah, in there he's, somewhere? He, yeah, he's the he's the superhero costume designer, dude. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I was using the x-ray mode the entire time, and I kept seeing like, oh, man, there's so many people in this dang cast. Yep, I know. I know. It's, it's on Amazon Prime Video, which... If you've ever watched anything on there, which uh, again, the boys is on this, but it's so cool. The x-ray uh, vision or whatever it is, when you pause a scene, it'll show you all of the actors that are in that scene. So you could see every and their picture, too. So if you don't know their name, you at least get to see what they look like. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know that person. He's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you know, anyways, everybody knows but who Mark Hamill is. But <laughs> great thing if you know if you have watched the show and you, you're looking forward to it, you know they have been greenlit for the second and third season already, which is great. The great. the you know Invincible was 144 issues long, which now after watching the first season, I'm definitely want to go back and actually start reading it because it it definitely leaves off with you know a lot of things that can happen and uh, I'm definitely excited for that. But what I was gonna say though, because you know it both was written by Robert Kirkman for Invincible and Walking Dead. There are several moments in this series while I was just sitting here watching it where I felt like I was playing the Telltale Walking Dead games or any one of the other Telltale games. I, I'd say more Walking Dead than anything, and it makes sense because, you know, the, the writer. But there there's just music cues and, like, just the ambient music in certain scenes just made me feel like, shit this is where a decision has to be made and then because like in true superhero fashion i mean the, the story this isn't spoilers to talk about because the main character is a 17 year old kid who basically is starting to get his powers he's the son of you know basically this world superman right superman and, yeah and he's just learning basically the responsibilities of becoming a superhero and like peter parker is the most famous for doing this. I mean, all superheroes are to some extent, but I think Spider-Man is the most. I mean, for like that age range, Peter Parker is probably the. the well, sure, but what, what I was gonna say is how Spider-Man is always neglecting his personal life, and that is a true theme through this entire show. Is that he he's late to things all the time. He's trying to fail his classes because of it, and it just those moments are those moments that I would be feeling or playing in the Walking Dead game where I have to make a choice. Am I going to be a superhero right now or am I going to stay here and actually hang out with oh, the I girl I like? Saying. Stuff like okay. that. And just like I said, the, the music cues, it, it, I thought several times I forgot I was watching something. I thought I was playing a Walking Dead game, which is hilarious, but... No, it's super good. The first season is on Amazon Prime Video. Y'all should check it out. Eight but episodes. But again, there is a content warning. There are some very deep uh, topics there. Um, and then blood and gore. Like, I cannot stress this enough. This happens. Do not underestimate it because, yeah, my goodness. Um, I, I, I thought, I thought like, I was okay with it. And, like, watching it. You like, have and, to look and, away like, sometimes. Like, I mean, I watched it the whole time, but it was, like I said, it was really hard. And, like I said, I felt sick watching That's it. That's a lot for an animated show to do. I, I definitely felt that, too. This is this is a spoiler warning for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A little, I'm not going to so go super Just mute, mute for, like, 20 seconds, 30 but seconds. I, well, I'm not going to get into very much detail. But it was, like, one of the episodes where, you know, one of the characters 
does something very bad on screen. And mm -hmm. if you guys watched the show, you right. know exactly yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's how I felt after that yeah. scene. Okay. Yeah, I know. He kicked that puppy. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The pu yeah, the puppy <laughs> scene. You got it. Anyways, so go check it out. Amazon Prime Video. It's an awesome Sounds series. Good. Definitely worth your time for sure. Next on the docket, Shadow and Bone. Zach, you wanted to talk oh, yeah. about this? So this is a cool, this is a new um, original series on Netflix. It's a live action sort of fantasy show. Um, it's, I would describe it as heavily inspired by Avatar The Last Airbender. It wow, is like, I'm down. Yeah, but like, it's got this kind of, instead of like East Asian inspired, it's sort of like a World War One aesthetic it's going for. And then in like the first like five minutes, somebody fire bends. But nice. like even down to the core plot is like I could switch out names and it's the same like along. You could switch around some characters, switch some name like Sokka hangs out with Zuko in this one. No big deal. All Honestly, that said, still down. It's so based like, off a graph. It's based off of a book series, off of a right? novel. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I'm curious to read it. But so, like, I do want to say, there's nothing wrong with being heavily inspired by Avatar: The Last Airbender. And in fact, the show's really super good. It's I've got heard. like some really interesting world building stuff. There's a cool like problem that needs solved. Um, good acting, good action. It's Is really the Fire Nation attacking? No, actually, Fire Nation's chill. Cool. Okay, right on. Change of pace. Um, so like instead of so like instead of the benders all being separated, this is one of the cool differences. Like instead of all the benders being separated into the elements, all of the benders are kind of in their own nation, doing their shit, and everybody else is kind of dealing with the bender nation, quote unquote. So it's like it's like season one of Legend of Korra, almost. Sure. Except, they're all. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, but like less focused on the city and more focused on like the people and the quest. Kinda. There's a like I don't want to spoil too much. Go check it out. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about within episode one and be like, I get it. So like it's it's heavily inspired, but different enough that it's refreshing and just a really well made fantasy show. I I really enjoyed the hell. And out it's of got it. that one guy in it. You gotta be more specific. Um, who was he? Was the the brother dude from Westworld, and Westworld. he was the one of the he was the antagonist of the first season of The Punisher. Didn't watch the Punisher on Netflix. Um, his character, I always think he's funny oh. because his his characters never ben make it Barnes. past the first season. Ben Barnes um, of any show, so I just assume he dies. Haven't watched it. Not a spoiler, unless he dies, in which case it might be a spoiler. But don't no, listen to me. Look, let me find out who you're talking about. Yeah, his name is Ben Barnes. Prince Caspian from Narnia. Oh, yeah, this guy. Okay. Yeah, he ben makes it Barnes. to season two. Anyway, so do not... Yeah, anyway, I just assume he dies because he dies in everything. He's kind of like the, the modern Sean Bean. That's hilarious, um, actually. But he's a great actor, so... He's very good. Yeah, all the acting's super good. Cool cool effects. Good shit. I'm curious to check out the book now. Um, yeah, check it out on Netflix, right? First season? That's first it? First season. Yeah, just cool. came out like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh... Daniel, you wanted to talk about the new PS5 game, Returnal. Yes, I did. Um, so it's great. I mean, and the main reason that I wanted to bring it up is because it feels like the first real next-gen game. It's the first game that came out on the PS5 that's exclusive to the PS5. You can't play it on PS4, you can't play it on PC, and everything about it is kind of tuned to what the PS5 can do. And what's so cool about it 
is that it feels like because obviously for anybody who has a PS5 uh, there's Astrobot Playroom which comes loaded onto the console which is essentially a tech demo but it's a really good tech demo I've heard it's but very it's, good. it's mostly a demonstration of what the PS5 can do this is like the next level up from that it's a game that is relatively straightforward it's a roguelike you know you restart from the beginning every time you die the me- mechanically it's like pretty straightforward but it implements all of those same concepts that were in Astrobot Playroom you get a lot of haptic feedback. The 3D audio is absolutely present. Um, the visuals and like the way that the game runs is unlike almost any other game that I've played on a console. It's so consistent. It's 60 frames per second, right? Absolutely. And like, yeah, and I I saw like the the trailer, which obviously trailers are supposed to look good, but. Whew, that it's, looked really good. It's glossy smooth, and it's so good because in these last two years, three years, longer, but let we'll just cap it to that. Games have been coming out half finished, and this game feels finished and polished. God, well, yeah. Zach. After, are, yeah, uh, after Zach has that, let's talk about that. I was just going to say, um, I remember like going off what we were talking about the trailers. I remember seeing the, like reveal trailer or whatever it's just like a cg movie no gameplay or whatever and i was like this looks weird and boring it's like this astronaut running through space or whatever and then i saw a gameplay clip and i think my exact words were because it looked really fucking cool like right away <laughs> just from like a five second clip it's a complete package let's let's go back to that topic that you were saying Games recently have been being released half done. I and you know, I Daniel, you're going to hate me for saying this, but oh, we talk about I feel like the first time that I actually noticed it was when Destiny, the very first one was released. That was really I mean, OK, it was oh man, there was like no story. It was half written the multiplayer was cool, which it looked like it was supposed to be that. But then they they start releasing DLC as if that's going to make. I mean, it makes the game better, yes. But you lose everybody at release date when when you don't have a full game to play. And then current standards, we have. I mean, you guys have been talking about Avengers for <laughs> ever since it was released. Let's. I mean. <laughs> Well, so, and I think it's important to make a distinction. There's two kinds of games that come out unfinished. There's a kind of game that comes out unfinished, like OG Destiny, that's missing content. The gameplay is great. The gunplay is good. The game runs smoothly. The game is functional, but not yet fun. Then there's the kind of game that comes out unfinished that does not work, that crashes. Cyberpunk, Avengers, games that do not function, that are right. fundamentally broken. And then there's the games that come out with both problems, that they don't have content and they're broken. Um, and to be fair, OG Destiny, we can just blame Activision, right? We can we can stick them all with that. And I will say, Bungie with no Activision, this has been a lot more consistent. Housemark, which is the studio behind Returnal, um, they are not like a Sony first party studio. They're just like a smaller studio that kind of does their own thing. They're not under anybody else's thumb. So they can make these kind of creative decisions and release the game. They don't have a boardroom full of people that need to release a game at certain time to make money for their investors. So I think we're we're, looking at you, you know, I think that there are some pretty clear, you know, 
lines to connect here between these things. Um, but anyway, the game is incredible. I am not that far in. I have beaten the second boss. I think there's like five or six, so I might only be a third in. I'm there's, also bad at six. the game I've heard. because I think that I've probably put in about like 10 or so hours. And I think that for a good player, there's maybe 20 hours of content. And the way I'm playing it, probably we're going to be closer to 40. Um, but yeah. Have not game. played it. Heard a lot about it. The other thing I've heard is that it's pretty fucking hard. So it's, strap it's in. Very, it's quite difficult, but it's the first time but like for a me good hard. that, well, and I've never liked those games. I have not played Bloodborne and finished it. I haven't played Demon's Souls or Dark Souls or any of those other games that are we'll like, get there. you know, hard. But this feels approachable to me, especially nice because it's a lot of it. It's a lot more straightforward, right? You have a gun, you shoot. You don't have ammo to worry about. You just shoot and avoid things. See, that's, that's the game. That's something I really like about, you know, Risk of Rain 2 is that you just, it's as simple as that. You just shoot. You don't run out of ammo. I mean, you have the cooldowns for your specials, but like that's. People call this game like Hades because it's the most recent roguelike that's been really popular that people enjoy. If I had to pick a game that's similar, then I'd say it's actually just like Risk of Rain. The vibe is very similar. I beat Hades. Oh, fuck yeah, you did. Oh, way what? to go. I nice. beat it with the uh, Stygian sword. Um, oh, yeah. It, I've, been, I've been trying to do it with the, the knuckles for quite a while, and then I finally switched to the Stygian sword, and that was the very first time that I just, like, nice. went straight oh, yeah, through. Uh, I got the one where, where you, like, attack, and you get health back, but, like, it diminishes how much... Oh you yeah, have. Okay. you actually went for that? Damn, I've never been able to. Beat I did, him with that. dude. It works so well. It works so well. But anyways, that was your first it. clear through Hades, right? Yep. Yep. Keep going. You're not yep. done, dude. I know. I like. Okay. <laughs> I, All right. Just the way that sure. they, the way over. that they make the game, mm -hmm. the way they weave in the story, is into the, so great. It's, it's just it's a great master game. Class, great game. dude. Anyways, we talked about it three podcasts now. Hey, it's worth it, okay? It is, it is. So go check power. it out. Go play it was like 20 bucks when I got it on, on the Switch. Oh, yeah, but it's not full anyways. It's like a $20 game. Returnal so, is also good, though. Yes, here. check out Returnal, yeah, PS5 out exclusive. Great PS5 game. First real one. Ryan, Bad yes. Batch came out. So, Star yes, Wars I'm going to talk about Bad oh, Batch here in, about in, in a second. Um, before I get to that, since we're still on the topic of games... Um, I was recently uh, at my sister's place, and we she has an uh, Oculus Quest 2, which is, you know, a step up from my Oculus S. And I have not had space um, in my apartment currently to use my Oculus recently, so um, it was nice to use it again. And one of the games that she had were the uh, Vader Immortal trilogy of Star Wars games. Um, I didn't actually play through any of the story parts, but I was just playing in the lightsaber dojo where basically... You have a lightsaber. That's all you got, oh, and you're you're, you're blocking uh, these little drones that are shooting at you. And each time you defeat a wave, um, you know you can go up to the next level, and things get progressively, in theory, harder. And then um, once you get past level five, uh, you you start getting saber drones that you got to fight with. Where there's actually like full on like humanoid shaped robots that are having lightsabers attacking you, which is pretty sick. Um, so yeah, I played that for a while um is it the yeah. little is it the little zappy drone from episode four is that what you're fighting yes i would think yes. so okay good yeah those nice. those are the drones that were flying out um okay, and good. then Just and then like sure. i said there's like other droids that would come and out with cool lightsaber drone. and i mean that. they That's dope. they really you know lead their shots like they like wind up and then they do it 
So you have so much time to block it, but when you have three of them at once, it starts getting more difficult, and you have all the drones on top of that too. Like it gets to be pretty cool, and it was really cool because with the headset, it has like the surround sound 3D headset. audio. Yeah, the 3D audio, so you can kind of spatially figure out where it is. So at one point, I was just trying to close my eyes, and I was just trying to yeah, use yeah, the yeah. force. Oh, that's so good. And I, I, I died still, but I blocked quite a few of it before I died. So it was, man, the force yeah. is strong with this one. I almost that's asked pretty, if you did that. So I did. Good job. It, of course, it's pretty yeah, sick. I mean, like, I feel like you have to. I feel like you have hero, to. Ryan. Yeah, Fair the, the 3D, the 3D audio is really cool with how that works. That's um, cool. Because like That's it's right behind on. you, and I just try to block it behind me without even turning. Dude, you I, gotta, I got you shot, gotta like but... without without moving, just like block a lightsaber, you know, attack by putting the the remote over and your head course, and stopping it and all that stuff. The, yeah, you have to. One of the to. limitations with like VR right now is, you know. You hold a lightsaber with two hands, you know, but you have two controllers. You, if you can stick the two controllers together, but, like, it doesn't stay together. Um, and the, the version of the game I was playing was episode one, um, where you didn't have force powers yet. I think in the later games, you start getting force powers. So I had nothing to do with my left hand. So what I did, I just put that controller down. And I would just double-handed yeah. the one controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, it works no, really great. Call. But good anyways, call. Bad Batch. Uh, I meant to watch this, more Star and then I forgot. Yeah, uh, has anybody watched it at all yet? Okay. No. Not really. I was going to. It's really great. It's really well done. I'm very curious okay. to see where they're going with it. It's a great continuation of Star Wars Clone Wars, and it also has you know elements from Star Wars Rebels in it, which is great too. One of the coolest things, and actually, Daniel, I think you would be interested in it. It is you don't need to watch any of the other uh, series uh, to understand what's going on. I mean, obviously, you can just kind of understand based on the movies, but. They did a really good job in the first episode, making it very clear um, what the stakes are and what exactly is happening without having to watch all the background of the other series. Which, because there, there's so much more depth you get from the series that you don't get in the movies that are just, anyways. But they did a really good job about introducing all of that in the first 10 minutes. They reintroduced uh, one of the characters that's from Star Wars Rebels. You got to see his. Um, you know, journey escaping Order sixty six in the very first. D. Bradley 10 Baker. Um, yeah, and you get D. Bradley Baker playing everybody, every <laughs> single clone. Uh, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Man, that's but a like, good I'm, gig. Good for him, dude. I mean, okay, I recognize his voice. He's like in everything, and his voice is so iconic. I mean, he plays if Appa. you can get a Wolverine gig, you're set for life. Yeah, he plays Appa and Momo, and you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender. But and it just, I watched. I did watch a preview. And I didn't even know that he was all of them. Like, he's just that talented. Anyways, See, this is turning it, into a D. Bradley Baker it, fan it, club. I'm good. It makes sense, uh, you know, that he plays all the regular clones. But I totally understand what Johnny's saying. Because in The Bad Batch, it's about a group of uh, five specialized clones that get basically they're deformed. And they have basically mutated abilities. So you got, like, a really super strong one. You got a really smart one. You got, you know, the the you know just the badass you know in general that is just like a han solo type character but with more of a heart of gold from the preview i watched it looked like a star wars halo reach was kind of the vibe honestly you're not you're not far off um you're not far off cool. at all i'm into that um but what's really cool about this series and daniel this is why i think you'd be more interested in it than you maybe are currently is so far in the first two episodes, which the the day that we're recording this, the third episode comes out tonight. Um, they 
go because you you said Daniel you really like Revenge of the Sith right you really enjoy that film just watched it as anybody who watched our one minute one shot I got lost for a minute uh reminiscing about how good that movie is so I actually did just rewatch it the other day uh, but go on please so good movie something that's really interesting about all the stars canon currently which also going back to the character from Star Wars Rebels sorry I'm my mind's all over the place but uh, I know some people were upset about how they handled that because they did handle their Order 66 story in a comic and they did change it from the comic a little bit. It's very similar, but it's still different enough to where it upset some people. Anyways, I decided I had that in there. But back to the, my thing about Revenge of the Sith and current Star Wars canon as is does not delve into the Empire rising from the Republic. Like, you never see that transition. You just see his speech that Emperor Palpatine gives in the Senate saying, oh, we're the Galactic Empire. But you never actually see the actual changes necessary for it to happen. In this series, you see them actually start explaining why it's so hard for these Jedi to actually live lives after this. Because what they do is they basically... uh, identify everybody and like give them like an id code and like they change the entire currency from being the normal republic currency to being the imperial currency and if you have any if you don't go through that transition process you basically are shit out of luck and they they make it yeah it they they how they handled it is they basically locked down an entire planet until the change was completely done and that makes sense yeah yeah i I totally get it there's moments like that which are just really great world building that you just have not experienced before you also see them phasing out the clones because that's a huge part of of the empire is cutting down costs on not basically paying the caminos or the the kaminoans to to make clones and that's a big part of the series as well and at least the first episode um and they introduce a new character uh which is a, a small child who is a female clone of uh jingo fett I was just about to say, why do we get a female clone? We really you we do. Get it all. She, 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 she's a child, but it's it's not. It, it's there's similar vibes between like uh you know how the Mandalorian had you know Grogu in it, and there's that 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 dad relationship almost, but it's different enough to where it's not the same. And also, she's more independent than Grogu has ever been. Sure. And there's really cool act- things, and I don't want to give anything away because it's very interesting what they're maybe doing with her knowing having a very basic not a science guy remember i went to art school uh knowing having a very base knowledge of biology and genetics uh i definitely have some questions about there being a female clone from male donor because that other x chromosome has to come from somewhere uh they could just take another x from another well, so I wonder so, if that's part of it, you know? So, I also, in that same vein, have questions about laser swords and spaceships. <laughs> okay, and okay. You really, yeah, really, Daniel? <laughs> really, Daniel? Cloning is what does no, it for no, no, you? No, no, no. Not I'm the not shield? Saying, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying I, I bet that's going to be a plot point. I, that's the kind of smart shit that they would probably put in there. You're right. I don't know. If yeah. they waved it away as space magic, I wouldn't think twice about it. I wouldn't it. think twice either. Honestly, I mean, the Kaminoans have all sorts of things. I mean, honestly, how do these clones have these mutations that make them like completely stronger? There's a lot of things that are unique. And the other thing I really like about their dynamic is it feels really Ninja Turtles to me, in yeah, a way, with the archetypes. Sense. 
because uh, you know they have the strong one, the smart one. You know, like the cool, there, the there's some really one. great dynamics. One of them does machines. Got it. Yeah. Um, there's not really one that's like the goofy one, like Michelangelo. There's no party like dude. That. But they're they're not like that. But damn, you, you could kind of you could kind of pair the party dude kind of with Raphael, the the brute basically. They're kind of all mixed into one. Um, but, but I got some feels like that from the, their dynamic. Uh, but I definitely recommend checking it out. It was really cool to watch. I'm excited to watch the next several Yeah, we episodes. all got a lot to watch now. Yeah, there's going to be 16 episodes. The first episode was 75 minutes. All the other ones are going to be like 25, 30 minutes. But oh, okay. the, the first okay. episode was really long, and it, it felt like a, a movie. The one last thing I'm going to say is out of all out of all the series that have come out that they've done, this is the most cinematic one. And like season seven of Star Wars Rebels, or not Rebels, season seven of Clone Wars was the most recent ones before this. And that one was really top notch with their quality and they pushed it even further with this one. So that's the last thing I just want to say is that just the quality is stepped up immensely. Yeah, so go ahead and check it out on Disney Plus if you haven't already. They release every Friday. So yeah, check it on out. Uh, Zach. What up? What are we talking about this time? Which one? Are you well, I mean, you I, up to you. Which one? Oh, we, is that all? okay? So let's go with Resident Evil. So Resident Evil Eight dropped. Have you guys ever played a Resident Evil game? You guys know I, no, I don't like scary games. Oh yeah, and you would not like this game because this game is spooky. I, so I love this game. I'm like halfway through it. This game's fucking incredible. It's a lot like RE7, which was like a first-person shooter. You're going through this like. Louisiana like family big plantation house only this game is like that but with a big dose of Bloodborne in there it's got this like like grand like gothic horror aesthetic that I just eat up all fucking day it's super super good and it's got this good mix of like wacky magical shit happening and like pants shitting terror it's great runs the gambit all over. If you like scary games, grab this thing, turn off all the lights, have a great time. You don't need to play 7. I believe there's like a video recap, so if you want to skip that one, you can just jump straight into this. Ryan, what's up? What I The only thing I know about this game is all I was going to say is the the very tall lady. That's all. The very I big know. lady is yeah. very good. Lady Step Dimitrescu is super hot and very tall, and she's great up in there and there's a, another cast of monsters shit's awesome i love it can't what are you playing on um so i borrowed one i borrowed my friend's ps5 and we're going through it together um looks super good on ps5 all of the graphics are good and pretty and they make the the ladies look very pretty in their <laughs> in their ladiness uh, any fun good. haptic stuff or anything they they, um, they use they it all a little bit you know, they put some resistance on the triggers. Nothing, like, super special. They didn't go super hardcore with that. But it's also, I believe, on PS4, so I don't think they spent a whole lot of time with that yet. Um, good game. See, I know I so little it about it. Like, I don't even know if that lady is a bad guy or... or yeah, she's... Yeah. So, what do you think? It's Resident Evil. Are you I, mean, sure I, like, like, I imagine she probably is, but I One don't of the know. trends of recent Resident Evil games is an RE... Resident Evil 2, you have Mr. X, who's this big hulking dude in a trench coat. And then you guys probably know Nemesis, right? Yes. Have you seen I've him? Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. So he's this giant monster freakazoid dude with tentacles and a bazooka. Yeah. And the the crux of like the gimmick in Resident Evil 2 and 3 is that 
they would like follow you around like they'd just be out in the city or the thing and just follow you and kill you and like if you use gunshot like they will hear your gunshots they'll hear your footsteps and they'll come after you and so lady d is the re8 version of that where she's this big giant vampire lady and you hear her high heels like click clacking through the castle as you're walking around it's fucking terrifying in the oh best god way. it's great super super good um lots of good scares lots of good fun times i um, thought we were in resident evil for a second there yeah, we heard some crows. Yeah, calling it in was very, Zach. it was very spooky. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was actually post. We just, I, I made the sound effects right now. We're just gonna go back and fix it in post. Anyways, uh. <laughs> We're going to now bring it on over to our one minute one shot section where Ryan is going to DM a simple little obstacle that we're going to have to overcome. Ryan, take it away. Lay it on me. I'm pretty happy with this one. Uh, Zach, this one's for you. Oh, I love when things are for me. (laughs) You are a group of fifth level adventurers. You've been trying to make your mark on the world, but find it difficult as many of the jobs and contracts have been given to adventuring parties with more experience than you. Luckily, you've been hired by an elderly fellow with a long, dirty white beard to retrieve an object for him. He leads you into the neighboring desert to the mouth of a cave that sticks up above the sand. The elderly man says, Please, retrieve a silver goblet with a diamond embedded in it. There will be many items of note that might entice you, but I warn you, Do not touch any of these items at all costs. With that, your group journeys into the cave. You travel for a while and find yourselves getting deeper and find yourselves walking through what looks to be an extremely large man-made chamber. After several minutes of walking, you pass through a large stone archway and enter a 50 foot by 50 foot, uh, 100 foot long room. So basically a 50 foot high room. Uh, and it's filled with all sorts of different objects and oddities that kind of have a slight gleam to them. However, looking around at all these interesting items, your gaze drifts off to the far end of the room, and there you finally spot the silver goblet matching the description given to you by the elderly man. It rests on a stone pedestal, a magical light almost shimmering off the diamond that's embedded into the chalice. However, as you approach the goblet, you hear a clang of something behind you clatter to the floor, you turn and you see the, ro- the rogue holding a short sword oh, yep. and a shield rocking and spinning onto the ground. Suddenly, you feel the ground start to shake. A large, thick stone slab slams down, blocking your only way out. Suddenly, you see vent-like openings by the ceiling open up, and falling from them, sand starts to fill this large chamber. You have only a few minutes before this room is completely filled with sand, and you will presumably suffocate and become entombed. What do you guys do? So joke first, uh, I'm going to grab the lamp and the magic carpet and we're going to fly out of there. <laughs> yep. While lava is filling yep. up the, the entire cave. Okay. Yeah, now I'll, now I'll take this seriously. Okay. He didn't say uh, we didn't have a, a carpet of flying. So. True. True. I, yeah, so I didn't say. I, I just said up. that you're in a room with lots of potentially magical items. Um, and there's the chalice at the end. And I said you have a few minutes. Uh, so it's not going to be instantaneous. You have... I'd say maybe up to five minutes before this entire room is filled. Um, well, did the door? The door is completely behind. shut. You're like you, there's okay. no way it, out of this it room. It closed currently. off. 
it, yeah. Oh, okay. it is gone. Okay, never mind. I, the room, the room I went is to pretty a, dark. I went to but... Aladdin, and I was like, I'm gonna wild shape into a giant eagle and well, I mean, carry my friends to safety, but and run. I'm not gonna do that because our only exit is blocked off. So... And it looks like the vents are not probably large enough to actually get into, and they're also, like, at the very top of this room. But sand, like an hourglass, is just slowly piling up and just spilling over all these magical items on the ends of the room. Man, that's that's, that's rough. That's okay. okay. So you're fifth level. Fifth level. Yeah. yeah. One's a rogue. One's a rogue. Of course, yeah. The rogue the rogue gets left. No matter what. Like he's left at the bottom of this entire This is why we don't cave. Do <laughs> uh so it's, it's just sand, is there any water in this cave at all? No. Okay. I could create water. I could do that. I'll just make myself a cleric and I'll create food and water if that's what you need. So then you'll just be entombed in mud instead of sand, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, damn. Okay. Well, one thing that I'm thinking of is casting shatter on the stone column that's just in front of the door, hoping that that'll break it since it's thunder damage, and I think it does twice as much to obstacles and or objects and stuff. I I think I might be wrong. I'll have to look it up. I think but knock would work too. Yeah. Knock on on the stone. No, the, the spell. Knock. The so the way the way this door came down, it slid down like a portcullis, basically. Oh, yeah. that's why you said knock. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, let's see. Hmm. Okay. A heavy, knock, a heavy. Knock is a good idea. A heavy. Knock is a really good idea. Large. That one's six free. Inch. Stone. You know, wedge, basically. Okay. Well, I think I'm gonna go with my my original shatter idea. I'm gonna go ahead and try to shatter the door. I'm gonna go ahead and check and make sure that that actually does double damage because I think it does. Creature made of inorganic materials such as stone crystal has disadvantage on the saving throw. So that's cool. I had a good idea, but I, we don't have, we're not high enough level to use that spell, so that won't work. I would uh, cast it, as, I would upcast it as well. Okay. For sure. So just try and just break level. this thing down. So what's uh, what's the damage dice on that? That's for like a. Uh, 3d8 like, at first level. And 4d8 at third level, probably. And then, uh, yeah, 48 at. Cool. At, or, so sorry, I'm second level. Say, but yeah. It definitely does some damage, but it, it's not enough with one go. Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, something else I'll just say, uh, as you look around, there are a few magic items that do stand out amongst this room that you can kind of see. Okay. You do see okay. a flying carpet, because, of course, you do see a bag of holding. You do see a belt of storm giant strength. You do see a portable hole. And Done. a spell gem third level. I just messed up my entire I grab. I, I grab. I was supposed to say a folded up cloth handkerchief. I messed that up. Oh, well. Oh, I grab the bag of holding yeah. and I yeet right into the portable hole because I want to go to the astral sea. Why not? What was I that mean, last? That, okay. Yeah. All right. What was, all right. What was that last time? <laughs> We're getting out of here, folks. You see a spell gem. Just not the way that we thought. Okay. Fifth level wizards don't have access to fourth level spells, do they? I don't believe so. No. I have an yeah. answer. God dang it. I can't believe I messed that up. I was supposed to say uh, yeah, it was a folded up, up cloth handkerchief. But listen, 
I'm not going to use that with my answer. Here's where we're going. Okay, so the we're going to make use of the whole party here. I'm going to have our barbarian slap on that belt of giant strength. He's going to go and he's going to raise up, or he's going to try to raise up the door. So, uh, I, okay, go for it. Go do you keep going. do you need to? Uh, keep going. We'll we'll change your answers after I, after you say everything. Okay, that's just. But to buy him time, the main idea here is all of the magic users in the party, myself included, wizards probably, are going to start using firebolt and any sort of fire magic we have, blasting the vents to try and melt the sand into glass and sort of blast it into glass to seal up all of the vents and stop the sand from coming in. So I'm making like big glass... Not like you get what I'm saying. Like to plug up the vents. Big, so yeah, glass plug. Here's what. Uh, and then Daniel, did you have your answer yet? I do. I do have one. I go ahead and do your answer, and I'll, I'll go back through it. You guys can. Okay. Do maybe. And then you can round. tell us why. It's so the issue. first, before I give my answer, how far up are these vents? Sixty feet. They're about fifty feet. Fifty feet. Okay. Good. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, my rogue, of course, has come equipped with a handy dandy grappling hook. Um, I also have a sorcerer in the party. So the sorcerer is going to cast Maximilian's Earthen Hand. We're going to see a little fist, a big old fist pop out near one of these vents. The rogue's going to throw up his grappling hook. Fist is going to grab that right there. We're going to take our goblet and probably also, eh, this place is already crumbling. So we'll take that sword that the rogue had and that shield and, you know, some gold too, because we've, we've got some time. And we're just going to shimmy right up. Uh, she write up this, uh, this rope here and just get out, get out through those vents. He said the vents were not big enough for people. Um, well, that's great plan, great. but, um, <laughs> you also, you're swimming through sand as you, you make your whole way. Uh, yeah, if, that's if okay though. Yeah. Guys, he's, the fist Once is holding it, it, so it's, you know, it's cool. It's well secured. And then, um, I guess when we get up there, um, what we're going to do is, um, call for help. Help! <laughs> Alright. So that's all I got. So what do we got Ryan. Johnny, uh, I'll go back to yours first. So you take the Oh yeah, portable... well I make it cinematic. Uh, so as the portable hole is opening, the rogue's gonna be like, but my shield! And I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna say, where we're going, we don't need shields. And then I'm gonna jump inside of the portable hole with my bag of holding and just burn just everything within 10 feet and just yeet it into the astral sea. All right. Uh, so that's that's what happens there. You leave the, the rogue there um, by by himself as you, you zoom into the, the hole. Oh, and we're taking all the magic items, of course. Yeah, I mean, you did it right next to all of them, so they all get sucked in anyways. Sure, yeah, um, of course. So, yeah, you leave him there without a shield. He, he slowly gets entombed in the sand. Zach. And then, and then, As he deserves. I'll have the party wizard when we're in the astral sea just do a sending message and be like, <laughs> "Hey, uh, help! Kind Mom, of floating in the astral the sea right now. We got your goblet. There's the good thing. Uh, I need you to get us out. And that'll be it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Zach." As your barbarian picks up and puts on the belt of storm giant strength, he runs over, just with all of his might, he stomps, he grabs the bottom of the stone slab, trying to lift it up. However, he finds that his strength has not been enhanced because it requires attunement. Well, whatever, oh, he's strong no. as hell, so he's gonna try it anyway. 
you know. Okay, strong. yeah, sure. Uh, we'll I mean, he's still going to do it. The main thing is we're going to buy him some time to, to get it open. Sure. So, uh, and then meanwhile, you try to use Firebolt amongst all the other casters to melt this into glass. And because Firebolt does not do that, uh, you're shooting explosions of sand uh, everywhere. Well, we would use whatever fire magic is available. I don't know, wizard. I, mean, I never played a wizard. You know, we we could shoot fireballs in this fucking room if we need true. to. I mean, it's a hundred. It's fifty feet up, so I mean, it wouldn't yeah. hit you. You know, um, shit's called firebolt. You're telling me it's not gonna do fire? <laughs> Come on now. I don't we'll, know what I'm we'll talking so about here. <laughs> you at least are able to damage. Uh, you know some of the vents to make it harder for the glass or not glass but the, the sand to come out uh, and I'll, I'll have you do a strength check and then Daniel uh, 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 so also I'd like to say uh, since I, I had that opportunity to think about how I'm going to get my guys out so um, one of them is a druid he's just going to wild shape like a spider or a scorpion or something he's going to crawl out okay then I'm going to have the Sorcerer who cast Maximilian Zerthen, uh Grasp uh, use Thunderous Step to get the rogue and him out. And uh, the last dude is a wizard, so he'll just Misty Step or something. Yeah, the, you see as all these people transform and, and Thunder Step 100 feet up, uh, which I'd say, sure, with Thunder Step, yeah, you're able to get above straight up to the, the surface. Um, however, uh, the... <laughs> The wizard, as he's like, huh, wait for me. He Missy steps. He goes up thirty feet into the air and he just drops back down into a pile of sand. And he's left behind. Oh, no. Could he miss his step through the? Um, no, I guess you have to see. I mean, once once he climbs the the grappling hook, of course. Oh sure. <laughs> oh right. See, so he, he missy steps once he's up to the vent, so he can see through the vent, so he knows where he's going. Gotcha. I, he might still not make it because I've never played a wizard, so I don't know how far Misty Step goes. Thirty feet. This is um, this is one thing that I want to say. So whenever some chamber is being filled with sand, why do people not just like climb on top of the sand and then and climb on top of the sand that just got in there? Quicksand works. Have you ever? Oh, is it quicksand? Like, gotten stuck in sand before, Johnny? Obviously not. <laughs> I mean, like... Because, so if it's really loose sand, first of all, you sink a little bit. And then once enough sand has accumulated, it settles and you are absolutely stuck. The way it's that like it an, does it's like compress. an avalanche. But you could just get on top of it, though. Yeah, but it's like an avalanche. You, te you go into the mountains and you just say, no, just stay above the snow and you're good. Yeah. yeah. Go no, bury uh, yourself yeah. in snow and let us know. All right, sounds good. I don't know what I'm talking. I assume Daniel's correct here. I feel like the weight would probably be an issue, right? Is I mean, yeah. Have you ever? Have you guys there? ever buried yourself in sand before? It is difficult. To Obviously get out. not. <laughs> well, you live in California. I figured you've gone to the beach and someone's buried you in sand before. Um, That's like a thing you yes, do at the beach. I've, I've done that before. Yeah, yes. you never like sculpt like mermaid tits on your bot. Yeah, I've I've buried myself in sand before, and you get stuck, and you have to have someone dig you out. Or you Hulk smash out of there, but it is difficult. Okay, it's not, not if it's not if the person does a good job. <laughs> so okay. Uh, anyway, so Daniel, sorry I to need, get off task. I need you. I'm gonna say the wizard. Even when he gets yeah. to the top of the thing, he's with yeah. Misty Tep. He's not able to get out with that. Okay, method. cool. He does. I'll That's you, fine. I'll, yeah, I'll have you do um, just a like a d20 roll. This will be an athletics check for the druid to kind of climb through the thing. Sure. Uh, or roll right yeah. now. Uh, and then, uh, Wizzy, Wizzy Boy will turn himself into a bat using Polymorph and he'll fly up there. I got, got it. Polymorph is too high of a level. So I got it. Sweet isn't it level, level eight. A, a it's eight fourth level, level yeah. roll, right? Yeah. yeah so I don't level. know if my oh, druid makes it out. 
Yeah. So, okay. And then, Zach, I need you with your roll. What was it for your, yeah, uh, your strength four. check? It'd be an athletics Oof. check. Four. four. Okay. Proficient yeah. in athletics, we right? All That's die. Like a yeah, with a plus. Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> so you get a, probably like a seven. Yeah, so you try to lift this thing. It doesn't budge at all. Um, well, we tried. But we're buying him extra time so we can try again. Sure, we'll do it one more time. Um, okay, yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. We got a 10. What did we say? It was plus, plus three, so 13. Plus eight. Plus eight. Plus eight, because yeah. five for strength, plus three for proficiency at fifth level would be... Holy shit. 18. Johnny with the clutch numbers. Yeah, 18. We lift that bitch up. Still not enough to, no, to do it, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it's buried in would be a... sand. Question. Yes, sir. Slash alternate answer, I guess. Could, could you just kind of hold the bag of holding under the sand and open it up <laughs> and just suck all the sand in and just keep continually so like funny. putting it under the sand so that all the sand flows into the bag and then you have a sandbag there is a weight limit but an empty a bag of holding my yeah, ass there's a weight the limit there, that thing is there is a weight hole. limit you're right uh but you also have a portable hole <laughs> so yeah, you just do that, open yeah. that bitch um, up, and then you have a you have an astral beach in the astral sea. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's, I'm just here's... chilling over there, like, <laughs> oh, sick! Thanks for sending the sand. <laughs> yeah, tell me the answer, Ryan. Um, tell me the answer. What would you do, Ryan? So maybe I misunderstood how the portable hole worked. Uh, I thought the portable hole. I, I think I was mixing it with another magic item. I thought the portable hole was the one that you could put up against the door and just walk through it. I'm pretty um, sure that is, isn't it? Is it? Oh, that's one way of doing it. I'm pretty it, sure yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought that was going to be when I mentioned it. I thought that was immediately what you're going to do, just put it on the no, door. No, 100% that's exactly what it was, but I wanted to go just to the astral yeah. sea and I mean, astral plane. Here's what I was thinking. I did put the bag of holding there for that reason, because um, I, was, I was expecting that, hey, maybe somebody either says, oh, I forgot to say, we have a bag of holding, because there's no reason why you can't say we had this magic I item. I definitely thought about right, it. Right, 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 um, right. Yeah. And then, or, you know, even being an artificer to do it correctly and saying, hey, I made an infused item of bag of holding, you know. So you could, there's ways that you could have done it anyways. Um, my way of doing it, uh, there's a couple different ways. I made sure there's multiple solutions here. Uh, the portable hole, for sure, just slap it right onto the door, walk through it, boom, easy way out. Um, another thing you could do is you could get that belt to storm trance strength. It does take an hour um, to attune to it. However, get a wizard to do, you know, Lehman's tiny hut by the door. Put it on. Yeah. There you go. You can just spend, you know, because Lehman's tiny hut. Lehman's tiny hut takes 10 minutes to cast. That's why you uh, buy I know it's time one minute. by turning it's all the minute, sand into glass. Oh, one minute. Still, one minute is Still. pretty I think it's long when you're in a... I know, but it, like, no, I, right, that's, that's right. why I specifically it's said you had ritual, a couple minutes. It's just ritual. Ritual yeah. casting is 10 so, minutes, so, so 11 it'd minutes. It'd be one minute um, to do it, potentially, if you want to just use a spell slot on it and, you, you know, do that. You have eight hours of time. You can do whatever you want. You right. could also, like had you done Shatter several more times, you could have totally done it. It had 180 health. So as long as you could have done 180 health in that time frame... Uh, which it should be more than easily done with 100 or like you know five minutes of time. Um, but yeah, I made sure there were several answers that I came up. I definitely with. think we came I, up with all of the smartest ones. I like yeah, the, definitely. I like the bag of holding one a lot. That's pretty funny uh, to just. Catch and we literally hand. just talked about this too. So we did. like in our other campaign, we were like, I I, I gave them a, a haversack, and they already have an infused item of a bag of holding, and I was like, so somebody said. Hey, let's put it inside of that. And I was like, 
as the wizard, don't fucking do that. That's an awful idea. Yeah, that's news to me. Don't do that. And and they were like, wait, but why? And I was like, because you'll just get shunted into the astral plane and I'm not going to come and save you. It's better so. than dying in sand. True. So at least there's that. Fair. And if that if that guy really wants that goblet, he can come and save us. The, the inspiration for this obviously stems from Aladdin, but initially where I, I got the idea and I started working no. off it from was from Sea of Thieves because uh, me and Johnny have been playing Sea of Thieves. Oh, is that a trap there? And, and cool. there is a, you know, a vault room where you have to do a puzzle and after a certain amount of time, it seals up and starts filling with water. So that's where I initially was working off of it. And it's like, well, I'm just gonna make it the Cave of Wonders like, and just go off of that. There's a scene like that because obviously Cave of Wonders is lava, but this actually reminds me, do you guys watch the live action Jungle Book? From like the nineties. Oh, like there's a no. no, not the not the new one, the old one. There's yeah, like geez, Johnny. There's a there's a there's basically this happens to Mowgli. He gets in a sand room. It's cool. There's um, well, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, that was what I had for this one shot. Right on. We well, we, well, we kind of did it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we did. I think yeah. you know, no, we nailed I mean, it. Like yeah, our characters yeah. kind of some of them survived. Yeah, the rogue didn't on my end, not, and the wizard well, didn't on Daniel's end. The last end, thing I did, I'm going to add to this. I was initially going to make this first levels, and oh God, it's no, going to make it even more hard. Uh, but <laughs> I decided... Well, mine, uh, mine would have worked still. Yeah. Sure. With magic items, you can make it work, but yeah. true. no fucking chance. Well, thank you, Ryan, for that. That was awesome. For you that are listening, if you're listening on our YouTube channel, comment with what you would have done because we're interested in that. And if you even have any ideas on to what we should do next, let us know. Yeah, we're on Twitter. Talks. Send us a I message. Yeah, I would love to see the situation that you want to put us through. So please, please do it. But without further ado, let's go into our D&D discussion, which I have mine. It's about keeping campaigns interesting. So one of the things that happens in all games really um, that I I see it so many times on Twitter where people just lose interest and it's actually happened to me too people lose interest in a campaign that you're running because it's the same thing the same characters and though the story may change through different arcs and things like that it still feels the same and I think that we lose interest because of that so that's one of the things that I was going to talk to you guys about because I know that I've been running our homebrew campaign for quite a while now and I know that there has come a point where we are like okay I'm kind of over this what what do you guys think about like what what do you want to do when that happens because I know that as a DM I can I can come up with certain things but as players like what what kind of things have you thought of and what do you think would remedy that situation well, I think uh, something that has happened recently and we've talked about it on the podcast is when we do a complete 180 with the story direction, which can suck at the same time. Um, but, you know, it, it, it definitely shakes things up a lot. Like, and for our instance that we're talking about is when our party of adventurers went down into this mine shaft, basically, on the orders of this wizard order to basically discover why people have been going missing and what's been going on. And while we're down there, um, intending to basically figure out what had happened, 
we get basically enthralled by a mind flare um, and having to work with for them for a little bit and that was a complete shift rather than you know defeating it just luck of dice was not on our side and what could have been a, an encounter that we could have defeated the mind flare went south really fast and that yeah, everybody know. failed their intelligence check on the very first mind blast that i did and it, it just so brutal dominated that encounter like i didn't expect it to go that way whatsoever and i think i talked about this like you were saying in a previous podcast but like it completely changed the campaign to where it was like oh we're just gonna go and kill this guy and then get the loot and go yep. back home now but now it's like working for an oh, evil patron yeah, for a little bit until we can yeah get out out from under his thumb which but. they finally did and now even worse things are coming so but that's a lot of fun anyways but yeah so yeah definitely having like a 180 change and making it story driven can definitely do something and even if you're as the dm like making it seem like you didn't mean to do something like that can also give that facade of like oh this is new this is interesting the dm didn't mean to have this happen and now we're going down unmarked territory kind of thing yeah so yeah i think it maybe i misheard you did you say it's good for the dm not to maybe say oh i wasn't expecting that maybe yeah well i mean i'm just i'm thinking i I mean i'm almost gonna say like just being brutally honest, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Now we're doing something completely else. That I think that's more of a better response in a way, because then, the, as a player, you can feel more, um, and like every choice actually matters. Yeah, it makes yeah it makes it yeah. seem like more dynamic. With, that's uh, a good point. Know. Yeah, I think that it's it has to be kind of like a two way street because obviously there's a lot of improvisation that goes on, and then when things change so rapidly, I think it. I think the, that there's a balance between the improvisation that the party members have to do to adapt to the circumstance, and then there's also on the role of the DM, because when you hit those moments where you're not really sure what you should do next, I know that for me, if I'm like, oh God, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do, I fall back on my character, and I'm like, okay, well, let's try some things that my character might do when faced with this circumstance. And I think that usually where things get frustrating are when... I'm trying things that my character would do and they get nowhere. And maybe having the DM find a way to encourage the actions taken by the players to dig deeper into their characters and to find solutions to problems as opposed to realizing that things have gone south and then coming up with a solution but then trying to make people guess like what the solution is yeah i get that and then you just get, get like stuck sometimes and you can't figure out what what the next step is yeah you get bogged down right yeah i i totally understand that i mean especially <laughs> with puzzles my goodness we have a story oh man uh, we have several anyways uh we're not gonna get into that but it's it's like I think that in in those cases when it gets too bogged down, yeah, you got to you got to go with the rule of cool or or go with like a yeah that makes sense and then just let them have it at that point because then it's just like what are we doing next session? Oh, we're still trying to solve the puzzle, and then nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that because it's not fun. It's just true. Yeah, annoying. We, I guess in that yeah, case, yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. Game. Um, for me, I think I have a I have two things I, I think would be good for this two separate sort of things for me it helps when 
like the DM has sort of a, a grand master plan, like something we can look forward and be like, that's what we're working toward the whole time, whether it be like some goal we're going toward, like some plot hook that carries us through all of the sort of mini arcs and encounters of a campaign, some goal we're going towards, some dragon god we need to defeat, anything like that that like keeps the story moving as we're going through these different scenarios, um, I feel like would be really beneficial to keep things, you know, motivated, you know? Yeah, you can get off track and then come back around. Exactly. So, like, you can go off and do side quests. I kind of think of it like almost like writing a book, right? Like, you're writing the plot of it as the players are going through, but you have, like, the idea, and the characters have an idea of, like, where they want to go, or and then... We need to go off and do this side quest, find this magical item to help on our quest. We know what we're doing. I find that very helpful. On the complete opposite side of it, um, something we've talked about a little is like, it might help to just take a break from the campaign. Like we've discussed, you know, if we hit a, a dead end in our campaign, we'll just take a break, put a pause on that one, let somebody else in the group DM for a while, start a new campaign and just hop along on the different ones on um, every time you hit a dead end that way it feels fresh you get to play a different character assume a new personality you know you get to take on and something different's happening until you know that feels stale and then you go back to the first one you're like oh yeah i remember what we were doing this is like come at it with fresh eyes yeah and i think i think that plays into our campaign too because ever since we started you know txp um we've been doing these one shots that have been really fun because you get to play those new characters. You get to get those ideas out and the creative outlet is changing. Exactly. And Something not super makes, flushed out. You get to launch into space and just have right. fun. Star Wars 5e. Yeah. Check it out, everybody. It was a lot of fun. Super fun. Um, but Episode 3 is so good, you guys. It, it was pretty yeah, good. The, the I mean, Star you'll, you'll get to see Daniel's, <laughs> Daniel's point where he just loses himself in our game while he thinks about Oh, we want an Anakin fighting. Yeah. I think that's really what it Actually, was. Actually, it, it was, was, to be fair, I was think, reminiscing about the Dooku, Anakin, and uh, mm. Obi-Wan fight. But. Got it. But it's, I mean, it's it's definitely a good point where, where if you are in that bogged down campaign point, and as a DM, you all know when that is, when you're. When you don't know where the story's going, but you feel like you have to keep the game going so that your friends get to ha- to play every week. I know I've had that point multiple times. Um, even times when, like, when when you don't even know where you're going because the the party decided to do their own 180 and not follow the quest line that you decided to put in front of them. So, in my opinion, clearly, I mean, in the DM's opinion, very clearly, then then you don't know what you're what you're doing. And then, anyways, I, I had I had a moment uh, similar. Uh, in the Tomb of Annihilation game that me and Johnny have been playing in, that I've been running, uh, there was a section where their whole goal from the entire beginning was to get to Camp Vengeance. And I, you know, I created encounters for them to get there the entire time. And once they got there, you know, I just honestly didn't know what I was going to do because I I had not actually fully read uh, the story elements of Camp Vengeance at that point. So I, you know, I ended the session at, you know, at the appropriate time, it was at the end of the session anyways, as they got there. And, you know, I spent the next week preparing for that. And in the entire time leading up to it, I had no idea what I was going to do. And then I found one of the supplemental 
books that expanded some of the elements in different locations nearby Camp Vengeance, and it actually used Camp Vengeance as a plot hook. So I was like, well, now I know what I'm doing next. There you go. And okay. and we immediately set that off onto the next section of our journey where they went to Imbala, and they did a whole thing there. And that's where we currently are leaving it right now. Um, but uh, it, was, it was nice to finally get something to click. It's like, yes, this is what's happening now. I, I have exactly the next several sessions, you know, pretty dialed in with what's going to happen. Although now I'm at this point again... Uh, as they are leaving Imbala and they're they're going back to Camp Vengeance. Uh, I mean, I know that that's what they're doing, but like to actually flush that out, I don't have that in my head 100% because there's things that had happened that I did not anticipate in a true D&D fashion, um, namely having one of the players almost fully die. Very close. Uh, with a sickness. And then they also now were able to save that player uh, by rescuing an NPC that they were tasked to find. Uh, and behind the screen um i think i talked about this johnny but i did not anticipate i didn't even realize the creature they were fighting which is a mummy lord or at least a mummy it had a rotting fist attack that basically completely uh makes it so if you're cursed by this fist you you cannot regain health points that's bad and if you and each day at, at the end of each long rest or 24 hours you lose like 1d4 health points and once you get to zero you just die that's so bad yeah i didn't i like i didn't anticipate that was gonna happen fully and so i didn't have anything completely ready to save them and remove curse yeah remove curse and luckily which none of them had that ability uh unfortunately and uh you know luckily uh part of their plot hook to go to mbala was to find a you know some scouts basically of the camp vengeance which was a a camp of paladins and clerics and stuff like that so i was able to write which they were supposed to be dead all the the people they're trying to find were all supposed to be dead um but they had not found where they were going to find the bodies yet so i just made so one of them were alive and they cast they saved them and they got removed curse from the paladin so yeah it made sense now they have this npc that's with them that's missing a leg and now they have to journey through the jungle with, with this that. wounded. Yeah, this. Anyways, yeah, that's, you that's got a remote curse out of him. But... You, can, you can be done. Just leave him. It's fine. Yeah, and another thing that I was thinking of, in, in order to keep everything's in, keep everything interesting, is even just taking a break from TTRPGs. You know, True. like yeah. play video games, play Sometimes tabletop to simulator, it's a fun but. One play card games instead or play Sea of Thieves or Phasmophobia or whatever game you want to play. I mean, like just hanging out with the with the with the buds with the fans. So, you know, is... I know we play Jackbox games, you know, with mm-hmm. other party games, all sorts of games like that are always yeah. fun. Yeah. But... And then like what you were saying, Zach, I think keeping a clear quest line, clear reason as to what everybody is doing always helps. Um, because I, would, yeah, I, be I was just realizing this cause I'm more recently more of a player, but still kind of new to me. But with Ryan running that tomb of annihilation, we had a clear quest line the entire time and I was having fun playing it. So I guess that's, that's another thing that you have to keep up is just having a clear route. Exactly. That like, 
I don't want to. I don't want to crack open this argument again. We've we've aired our dirty laundry. We're past it. But like at that point in the story where we refused to go on that quest you set up for us, we were just kind of hanging around in the city with no idea what we were supposed to do. So there wasn't a good like. We couldn't see anything on the other end of that quest that made it worth it. You know what I mean? That's because I didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if we were gonna mention that or not. I know, and that happened. That's okay. No, I didn't have anything, and I, yeah. I think what I should have done. And that's what that's one of the challenges is trying to come up with stuff like that for your players to get to, to give them reasons. I well, I mean, I thought I did. I thought I did, but. Really, what I should have done is I should have said, "Listen, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I ain't and, got shit. And that y'all wanna y'all wanna just acceptable. wait a week, and I can come up with something mm. so that it's actually fun. But if that I didn't do that, then mm. it wouldn't have led to all of the series of events that we've been in. It's true. And I we think that it. it changed the campaign for the better. You know, but, just talking about our campaign a little bit more. You know, from the beginning of the campaign, where basically we were a group of just random basically mercenaries hired to transport the you know this character or not character uh it was goods it was, it was yeah that's what it was, it was goods yeah we were transporting a cart of goods to this small village and um some of the other party members you know had different specific tasks that they had to complete in you know the the village like delivering a letter from a specific wizard, which honestly, that kind of I feel like is our main plot at this point is that that idea. I agree, of, but ninety percent of the party didn't know that was happening, so yeah. it made it difficult for us to participate. You know? Yeah. So I think I and think that's okay. Overall, Secret missions are good too. I, 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 well, I was actually going to argue the exact opposite. I was going to say, might as well just let everybody in on like the okay. secrets. Let me amend that. Maybe not plot critical secret missions. <laughs> well, sure. Um, but I mean, because at the heart of it, it's a role-play game anyways, and like, when there's huge sections of, of the game, I, I mean, I say huge sections, they're not like super large, but like when there's sections where, you know, the DM is only talking to other characters, for instance, like a big part that's happened in our game is Zach and Johnny have gone off into their own room and they've talked for a while, which is fine, you can do that. Because... But- uh, just to clarify, the reason why is because um, Zach's character is a warlock, and the warlock made a deal with a very evil patron unknowingly, and I didn't want everybody to know exactly what was going on behind. I mean, everybody had their suspicions because of the way that everything, yeah, the, the magic works and all of that stuff, but I didn't want them to know exactly what was happening. Sure, but like, which, I would argue in the favor, like, there's no reason why you can't know that, because like, like I said, it's a role-play game at the heart of it. Like, it's not going to change ultimately that much. I mean, it shouldn't, you know? And I think it really comes down to the pl- what the players want, really. That's true. Honestly, I would, I would argue that um, that if I were to tell all of you hey, Zach's patron is super fucking evil. Um, yeah. It would change the way that you would interact with him, I would say. But but at the same time, I think that it's... I think it's... What you're trying to get at is a good point because it is a game. And you guys are have, trying to have fun. Knowing all the parts of the game makes it easier to traverse through. So I understand what you're saying. Zach, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that, like, I feel like us going in off into that secret room added a certain air of mystery 
the again i think it, like you were saying it comes down to the players like some people could really enjoy that sort of mystery they don't know the whole thing is going on and then eventually it got revealed when all that shit happened and you know it's out in the air it's a cool reveal or um i feel like if you if we did do that out in the open everyone knew what was going on if the players could like do a good job of like understand like understanding the difference between what they know and what their character knows there could be some real fun out of like acting as a character that doesn't know what you know i always feel like that's interesting to play out i thought it was great especially because at the very beginning of this campaign that we were on each of our characters because of the way that we'd created them and we worked with johnny on them we each got to have those moments but then ryan your character died and you had Ezra, but I think because of the way that, that character was created, you didn't create him with Johnny, at least not in the same way that I know that I created my first character with Johnny. Um, I think you lost out on some of those moments. And then for me, I, I had some breakaway moments with Frangipani, but now Frangipani is dead, so the rest of the party will never get to know exactly what we'll went down in those that, meanings. Backstory was. Um, spoiler alert, basically all that was going on was that Frangipani was basically a cr huge criminal and was on the run for like stealing a bunch you of valuable things and also being an illicit magician and trying to you know find his childhood friend so he was buying and bribing golden guards to make keep himself out of trouble but he didn't want anyone to know that he was in trouble um so that's mostly like what i was getting up to but then frangipani died and my new character hasn't had any of those breakaway moments yet but also because he's pretty brand new he's only been in two sessions so there was a moment we could tell a quick story there was a moment where daniel's character tried to push ryan's character off a cliff and the rest, like, everyone saw it. It was completely in the middle of the, like, you, I think you used, like, Thunderstep or something that pushed all the characters. And you're like, I'm going to aim it specifically so that it pushes this enemy and Ryan's character. It was sleep. He tried to cast sleep on all of us right next to the edge of a cliff. Was that yeah. it? But you, like, you specifically mentioned that you wanted to hit Ryan. And all of us looked at that and went, that's sus as fuck. And then no one brought it up ever again. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Don't remember that specific instance. <laughs> I'm sure I did it. It was in the orc fortress. Sure I, I did it. Um, I remember thinking, yeah. don't stand next to Frangipani during battles, because that's... He, di he didn't like Ezra, though, so that's fair. That was Sebastian. What I was going to say is Daniel said, you know, I made this character, you know, and didn't do this with Johnny. It was 100% incorrect. Me and Johnny crafted the character from the very beginning. We created the whole plot thread that I was trying to help lead us on. And like, I, I was being trying to upfront on all of it. I wasn't trying to be secret about any of it. That's, that's more what I was trying to say is having these secrets makes it so if you come across me, who's being very open about everything, that makes it so you guys don't trust any of that, which is fine roleplay wise. But like at the same time, as we talked about, it's a game. But like so that, that that's that's the the part that sucks about having any secrets is it ruins that part of the game is having secrets. Yeah, that's that's why I don't. No, like no, no. I totally I totally yeah. get what that is, and and I think that I think that what what we're gonna get at is a very happy medium where characters have secrets, but when it becomes an issue, that's when it's like, hey guys, roll with it. This is a thing of my character. Please just like, I want you to be involved with this. And then also, Daniel, one reason why you may not have seen the backstory uh, work that we did was because um, 
We skipped that quest. A lot of that you guys weren't involved with because they they were out looking at, you know, his backstory. They were you they were doing the stakeout of the place that you guys were quote unquote supposed to go to, but we did an entire session where you without you guys, yeah. Didn't see right. the results of. But yeah. Shit. I had a thought. Hang on. Hold up. I have I had a quick thing to fuck. Oh, so that's what I was gonna Okay, so just like, like we were talking about a couple episodes, just be cool, go with the flow, go with what your DM is going to say. What I, the new point I was going to make is going back to like keeping a campaign fresh and interesting. When a character dies and someone has to come in with a new character, do you think that's a viable way of moving along the plot of the Absolutely. new character come on, the new character coming in and saying, "I got this shit I need to do. Can you guys please help me?" Because like we've done it a few times, not just Ryan's character, but like back in the day. There's been like, I need to go get this magical item. Will you guys help me? And we say yes, because we need him to play. But do you guys think it's a viable way of rolling that all in, keeping it interesting? It really depends on how good of a, a storyteller you can be and how good of an actor you can be for your for your character as well. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, because you need to be able to sell the idea first. I mean, and then I mean, there and then there comes down to it's a game. Roll with it. But if we're getting into like the really nitty gritty, you have to be able to sell your idea. And if you're not able to sell your idea, some people wouldn't want to do it, obviously. Um, I think that going back to Ryan's old or new character, I guess, when he made his new character, Ezra, he sold his idea really well. It's just that you guys didn't want to do it. You guys didn't want to be a part of that type of a quest. And I think that's what the issue was. I wanted was, to is that, join them. Exactly. He wanted to kill them. You wanted to join them, Still and that was the issue. Fighting. And and it yeah. was a it was a um, well, uh, like a thieves guild, yeah. murder guild kind of assassins guild. Sorry, type so, of. So yeah, the character that tried to guild. kill one of your own party members off of a cliff wanted to join the murder. Yeah, guild. I know. Big shocker. Who would have Who would have guessed? Well, like, but I remember that's that's the issue. Way yeah. back in the day, we were playing with somebody who's no longer with us. In our in our party, not dead. He's probably still. I don't know. Um, but we like introduced this. We like grabbed his character, and we were like, "Hey, can you come on this quest with us?" And he was like, "Yeah, but also I need to go. What the fuck was it? Get this book from a siren or something." And we were like, "Sure, we'll get to that eventually." And we just never did. Talk about pill. Oh, right, 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 right. so we we're like, "Hey, you're a cleric. Come with us." And he was like, "Yeah, but only if you help us with this." And we were like. We'll get to it eventually. We just didn't. So, yeah, that was one of the weaker times we tried that. <laughs> well, and we were we were pretty we were new still, but like we were pretty new. I just feel like that was an example of like, yeah, absolutely. My new character, story, you know? very go with the flow. He's a chill dude. He's yeah. very chill. All right. Well, that that ends that. Hope we kept your interest in in that random discussion of a narrative through line to yeah uh well thank you all so much for listening to our podcast talking xp if you like what we heard uh we release these podcast episodes every third tuesday of each month um like i said if you have any topics or ideas for one shot or one minute one shot please comment stories like our our videos like our podcast leave a rating if you wouldn't mind and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitch so you can watch our one shots of the month that we're doing and our streams that we're doing every week. A lot of fun there. 
Um, you can follow us on all of the social media platforms as well. Most of them are talking underscore XP. I think the only one that's not is Facebook, which is just talking XP. But anyways, thank you all for listening. Make sure to level up and we'll see you next time. Bye.